I want you to pay attention. Engage the Word of God. Now listen, everybody look at Pastor Josh. You are to love God with all your heart. Everybody say heart. And you love God with all your mind. Love God with all your hands. And love God with all your... Say, let's do it again. Love God with all your... Love God with all your... Love God with all your... And love God with all your... So we just love God with our what? Heart. Now let's love God with our... There you go. Let's open our minds up. And now, you know, you love God with your hands. That's serving, activity. And then you love God with missions. You need to go, all right? So love God with all your heart. Love God with all your mind. Love God with your hands. And love God with your feet. So let's, I want you to engage the Word of God and open up, your, uh, open up your mind and heart as we listen to the Word of God today. Today, as I was, or this week as I was preparing, uh, I want to um, speak on, it's kind of, we're in a transition because next week is our come and see service and we don't want you to miss that next week. We're going to hear live testimonies of people's lives being transformed and changed and directly following the service there's going to be a dinner. So I encourage you to invite somebody next week. Uh, it's very, very important that you're here and it's very important that you bring somebody next week because we're going to hear some stories of people's lives being transformed and changed and a time of fellowship right after church, all right? So make sure you bring somebody. So I said that to say this. I'm in a transition. I feel like I can't start a sermon series because next week we got this come and see service. So today is kind of one of those services that, um, you know, I can't start a sermon series because of next week. I don't want to start something and then have to interrupt it. But as I was praying and studying this week, and as I was reminiscing about the weekend and uh, the direction of our church, I do feel like the Holy Spirit prompted me to share something with you. Now, I am not rehearsing anything that I said during Easter, but I do want to bring out something to you that I do believe uh, that is very important, especially concerning worship. Now, I'm going to talk about worship this morning, or I'm going to phrase it the war of worship. The war, W-A-R, of worship. The war of worship. And certainly, there is a war of worship. And when we commonly think of the word worship, now I want you to listen to Pastor Josh. When we commonly think of the word worship, we, we have misconceptions of what it means to worship God, don't we? I promise you, when you leave church today and you drive down Main Street or wherever you're going, in Joplin or Galena, usually you can find church signs that will say, morning worship at 11 o'clock or morning worship at 10 o'clock. How many has ever seen those signs that advertised morning worship at a particular time? Everybody raise your hand. You've seen that? And we've also will see, like some churches will have evening worship at 6 o'clock, some have it at 5, etc. So churches will advertise their time of worship. And what I think is puzzling about that is this. I'm not saying that that is wrong to do, but I think that we're missing a greater component, and that is this. Worship is not defined to an hour or two on Sunday morning. Worship is a lifestyle. I'm going to say that again. Worship is not defined to a couple hours on Sunday morning. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not... Listen, look, listen to Pastor Josh. This is, this, is, this is how messed up our thinking is. We think in church, we'll sing a few songs because it's called praise and worship. Somehow the preaching is not worship. 
Somehow our giving is not worship. Everything we do is an act of worship. Me preaching to you is an act of worship. Your giving is an act of worship. Your church attendance is an act of worship. How you treat the waiter after church if you decide to eat out is an act of worship. How you treat people is an act of worship. How you treat your spouse is an act of worship. Everything you do is an act of worship. In the Old Testament, worship was defined by one man who took an animal and slit its throat and he did some kind of ceremony and God would forgive the sins of the people. That was called worship. But now God has changed things. God is saying it's not confined to one man on one day of a week with an animal. Now your very life should be offered up like the animal was offered up in the Old Testament. Your life should be offered up every day of the week as worship. Did you hear what Pastor Josh said? It's not confined to a day of the week any longer. It's not confined to a priest any longer during some kind of ceremony as the people watch on. Now God is saying, listen, that's not what it's about. You are the sacrifice. There was an animal in the Old Testament that was offered up as a sacrifice, as worship, but now you take the place. You, your very life is worship. Your very life is a sacrifice. And listen, what is worship? I'm going to give you one word for what worship is. Worship is sacrifice. If you're not sacrificing something, if you're not giving up something, if you're not being uncomfortable in your life as you walk with Christ, then you are not really worshiping because worship is about sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed a physical animal. In the Old Testament, the priest actually sacrificed a physical animal. That sacrifice went before the nostrils of God as worship. So now, Old Testament contained is New Testament explained. Old Testament, Old Testament concealed is now New Testament revealed. What is in the Old Testament was a foreshadow of what was to come in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, worship was one day of the week. Worship was confined to a priest, sacrificing an animal as the people watch on. But now, Old Testament concealed is New Testament revealed. That is why the Apostle Paul said, now you are to offer your body up as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It's not just one day a week. It is not confined to one person. It is all of us giving our life as a sacrifice to God which is worship. And if you are not being uncomfortable, if you are in the ease of Christianity and you feel real comfortable and sermons don't make you uncomfortable and you're not uncomfortable living your Christian life, then I don't know if the act of your life is worship. Because worship is sacrifice. We live in a day and age where people complain, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm this, I'm that. Where is sacrifice, folks? Come on. Are we called to live an easy, queasy life? Huh. Oh, are we called to live a life of ease? 
Or are you in this thing for real? I mean, when you really came to the altar and you confessed your sin and you believe in Jesus, did you really sign up under the role of real commitment? Did you really put your heart into it? Did you really put your mind into it? Did you really make a decision, come hell or high water, I'm going to give everything I got to this thing? Or are you the type that easily want to give up when hardship comes? Jesus said, the seed is sown on good ground, but it's also sown on thorny ground and stony ground because when the cares of this world comes, it chokes out the Word of God. See, worship is sacrifice. It's, it's giving God. It's the reason it's sacrifice is because the word worship means worth. You only sacrifice to something if something is worthy of something. Did you hear me? You only sacrifice or give up something because you think that thing or someone is worthy of your sacrifice. Sometimes you've got to give up what you love to get what you need. Abraham, God said to Abraham, what I want you to do, I want you to leave the land of Moriah and I want you to go to a land I want you to go to the land of Moriah. Why did he have to go to Moriah? To offer his son up as a sacrifice. And the Bible says he took his son and he went to the hill to offer sacrifice. Genesis chapter 22. I want you to look at it very quickly. Genesis 22. And I want you to see the very act of worship in this, this story. Genesis 22 verse number 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you. Now let me just stop here and say this. You know what true worship is? True worship is believing God even when you don't know what you're doing. Because God says, what I want you to do, I want you to get up, I want you to take your son and I want you to go to the land of Moriah and I will show you what mountain that you are to go to. So worship is simply trusting God. Worship is saying, I don't know what mountain I'm going to. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm taking one day at a time. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, I've been there, preacher? I don't know where I'm going. I'm just walking by faith. God says, take the very thing that you love. Take the very thing that's precious to you, take it, and go to the mountain. I'm not going to tell you where to go until you take the first step. And when you take the first step, I'm going to show you where to go. Because worship is simply trusting God even when you don't know what is going on around you. Abraham had to take the first step even though he knew he was going to Mount Moriah, but he did not know what mountain to go to. Worship is simply trusting God that God's going to have it all figured out. The Bible says in verse 3, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of the young men with him. He took the wood for the burnt offering. He went up to the place of which God had told him. So as he was taking the steps, God was telling him what to do. Verse number 3, And on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. He didn't see the place when he first started. He saw the place the f 
closer he walked. You're not going to understand what God is doing until you take the first step and you continue to walk and then you'll understand the picture. Abraham didn't understand everything until he continued to walk and then he saw the place from afar off. Then the Bible says in verse number 5, Then Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I'm going to go yonder, and I am going to worship, and I'm going to come back to you. Now hold on, folks. Hold on. Abraham is getting ready to offer up his son. His son as a sacrifice. And as Abraham is walking up the mountain, his son is with him and two other men are with him. They're walking up the mountain and God is saying, you just walk and I'll show you where to go. And he's walking up the mountain and Abraham stops and says, y'all just stay right here. I'm going to go worship. I'm going to go yonder and worship. How can you worship knowing you're about ready to sacrifice your son? Because the principle remains, in order for you to get what you need, you've got to give up what you love. In order for you to get what you need, you've got to give up what you love. And Isaac was a son whom he loved very much, but he loved God greater than his son. That's what worship is. Worship is willing to give up something that you love because you love God greater. And he says, I'm going to go yonder and I'm going to go worship. And that's what he did. He worshipped, listen to me, he worshipped even though his heart was falling apart. He worshipped even though he might have to give up his son as a sacrifice, he worshipped. And ladies and gentlemen, what would happen to the body of Christ if we just learned how to worship in the darkest places of our life? What would happen if we decide that worship is not about how you feel and worship is not about if you've had a good week and worship is not about if you've got a lot of money in the bank and worship is not about if you've got nice clothes and a nice house and everything is going okay. Worship has nothing to do with that. Worship is a responsibility of the believer that I love God in spite of how I feel. And your spiritual maturity is determined how you worship in the valleys of your life. If you've got to have somebody prime you and pump you and tell you, worship God and love you, it's going to be all right to get you to worship. Abraham's heart was falling apart. And he said, just wait a minute, let me go worship God. Because even though I don't understand what God's doing, I know in my worship somehow God's going to work it out. Woo! Somehow in this thing, God's going to work it out. I can't put my mind around it. I can't figure it out. But I know that I can't forsake doing the right thing even though everything else is wrong. Isn't that what modern day Christianity do? We give up the things that's right because our life is wrong. 
got to give up something you love to get what you need. What is worship? It's sacrifice. That's what worship is. Your life is worship. When I want to do something wrong and I decide not to do it, it's sacrifice, worship to God. When I want to act this way and do this way and I do what's right even though my flesh wants to do what's wrong, that's worship. That's an act of worship to God. When my mind is plagued with thoughts I shouldn't have and I cast them away and think on Philippians 4, those things which are pure and lovely and of good report, that is a sacrifice to God. When I don't feel like coming to the house of God, but I come anyway, and I greet my brothers and sisters because I know it's not about me, church is not about me, but I step out of my comfort zone and I greet somebody that is hurting because I know I hurt God, and in return, i, I got to realize even though I hurt God, that i got to somehow be involved in this community of faith. People, people, people say, boy, I, you know, people hurt me, people hurt me. You hurt God. You've messed up. God's been, God's been hurt because of your sin. We can't use this idea that I've been hurt by the church. Well, so what? You hurt God. And because God has given you grace, you give every person that hurt you, you give them grace. Come on, somebody. Abraham takes his son, he goes to the mountain, begins the worship, verse number 6. So Abraham took the wood, the offering, laid it on Isaac, takes the fire, he takes the knife, and the two of them went together. Isn't it interesting that Abraham was prepared to worship? Worship is a sacrifice Number one. Number two, worship is giving up something you love to get what you need. But worship is preparation. Did you see what I'm saying? Worship is preparation. Because Abraham took the fire. Look at the scripture. He took the knife, verse number six, in his hand and he was prepared to worship. There was something about him that was prepared to worship. And you know, the Holy Spirit dealt with me about this subject. And just a few weeks ago, I changed something about my life. I started writing my tithe check on Saturday night because when I come to church, I want to be prepared to worship. I didn't want it to be a last-minute thought. I wanted to come to church really prepared that this is what I was given, and if God changed my mind, then I'd write another check, but this is, I'm prepared to worship. And how many of us come to the house of God and we're not prepared? And I'm not just saying that, the money issue, I'm just in anything. We come and we have so much on our mind and our heart, and we have so much boggling us down that we haven't prepared our spirits to worship God. And isn't this what Abraham did? He was prepared to worship God. He took the knife, he took the fire because he was prepared to make a sacrifice and worship is preparation. They went together. Verse number 7, And so Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, son. 
He said, look, you got the fire, you got the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering? Verse 8, Abraham said, my son, God will provide a lamb. He will provide for himself a burnt offering. Do you see what it's saying here? Worship. I'm about to get excited here. You ready for this? Are you all ready? Worship is speaking words of faith even when you don't know what the future holds. <laughs> Woo! Did y'all just get that? Can I say it again? Worship is speaking words of faith even when I don't know what the future holds. The Isaac says to him, Father, where is the lamb? Isaac speaks by faith. Son, God's going to provide himself a lamb. Don't you worry about it. Just climb the mountain with me. God's going to provide a lamb for himself. You know what worship is? Worship is training your mouth to speak words of faith even when you don't understand everything. How are you going to pay that bill? I don't know. God's going to provide. I don't know how. How are you going to get healed? I don't know. God's going to provide. What are you going to do next week? I don't know. God's going to provide. How's this going to work out? I don't know. God's going to provide. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you need to stop looking at the size of your mountain and look at the size of your God and begin to speak words of faith. Worship is speaking words of faith. Speak life into people. Speak faith into people. Abraham, I don't understand this, son, but God's going to provide. Somehow, now wouldn't it change the story if Abraham would have looked at his son and said, listen, son, I'm having a hard time here. And God told me to sacrifice you. I know this is going to be painful, dude, but you just hold on for the trip. It's going to be all right. You know, that, and I'm not saying you should deny reality. But I'm saying that you need to speak truth into your reality. He didn't deny reality. Isaac knew he was going to the mountain. But he spoke truth into his reality. The Bible says, that Abraham, my son, verse 8, God will provide himself a lamb. Verse number 9, then they came to the place in which God told him. Because worship is faith. Worship is trust. And Abraham built an altar there, placed his son on it, laid him upon the altar, upon the wood. Now, let's stop here. Let me give you a historical background. I know some of you are thinking, why in the world would Abraham even think this way? It was culture. The culture of Ur, which Abraham was brought out of, was the worship of many gods. And one of the ways you sacrificed to your gods was that you did human sacrifice. Abraham was, un he understood human sacrifice. He understood that the highest form of worship is human sacrifice. That was the culture, was human sacrifice. That's the highest form of worship to any gods. So God, the true God, called Abraham out of that mess. And God is saying to Abraham, now get this, Abraham, you have lived 40 plus years in paganism. You have lived years where you've sacrificed to your foreign gods. You, Abraham, watched people give up their children 
to their pagan gods. You, you, you might have even, he might have even participated in those sacrifices. But now since you worship the true God and you got this revelation that there's only one God and not many gods, this, I want to know, Abraham, are you willing to do for me what you did for those foreign pagan gods? Are you willing to do for God what you did for the devil in the world? You'll spend thousands of dollars gambling up. We'll, we'll spend all night at the bars hoarding it up. And you can just fill in the blank what people do. Spend money, time, and resources. But when it comes to the house of God, we don't have time, we don't got money, we don't resources. We're all reserved. God saying, Abraham, you are willing to go out of your way and do things for a pagan God. And I want to know, do you love me more? And would you do more for me than you did for those pagan gods? And Abraham said, yes, Lord. Those pagan gods are dead and gone. Those pagan gods don't even hear me. I got the revelation that there's only one God and I will give you my very best, Lord. I'll give you my son. If that's what you ask me to do, I'll give it to you. So Abraham goes to the mountain to prove to God that I love you more than my former lifestyle. I'll do more for you now than what I could ever do for the foreign gods. So Abraham goes to the mountain. He takes his son. The Bible says, in Abraham, verse number 9, then it came to the place, verse 9, that God told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order because that's what worship is. Worship, get this church, worship is trusting God. I don't know what mountain to go to, but I trust you. Worship is giving up something you love to get what you need. I'm giving my son Isaac something I love to get what I need. Worship is preparation. You put the wood and you take the fire with you. You're prepared. But worship is also order. Because he took the wood and he placed it in order. Did you hear what Pastor Josh said? God has called you to get your life in order. To bring your life into alignment to the Word of God. Worship is not confusion and chaos. Worship is order. Abraham took the wood and he placed it in order because he's getting ready to do a sacrifice. Is your life out of order? It doesn't have to be. You say, well, pastor, are you really serious that worship is about order? Oh, yes, yes. Because when Jesus performed the miracle of the 5,000, what did Jesus tell his disciples? He told his disciples before he distributed the fish and the bread to his disciples, do you know what he told his disciples? Place the people in groups of 50 and 100 and place them on green grass. 
Because before the miracle happened, there was order in the house. He put them in groups of 50 and 100. He organized it, ordered everything so that the miracle could take place. When God is getting ready to do something in your life, He always does it through order. If you're believing God for a new car and your car right now looks like a mess, that's not order. Boy, I ain't. I know this is hard preaching. Well, I, I want to be debt free. You do? Do you know how much debt you owe? Or are you just out of order, just kind of aimlessly wondering, well, maybe I got this much debt. If you're really serious about it, you would get your finances in order so that God could do a miracle. Can somebody help the preacher preach? You say, well, I want God to do a miracle in my family. Okay, get your family in order. Start praying with them every morning. Start making a decision. We'll come to church on Sundays. Get your life in order so that God could do something in your family. Can somebody help this preacher preach? You see, the problem is, is we want God to do all these things, but we don't understand that worship is getting our life in order. I want to be a preacher or a singer or whatever you want to be. Get your life in order and buy a Bible. Right? Well, I want to be, I want to sing to the thousands, okay? If you want to sing to the thousands, get your life in order and make sure you come to church and you're faithful. Come on, somebody. And you're the most faithful follower so that you can be the most exalted leader. Exalted leaders are first faithful followers. Get your house in order. Can somebody say amen? I hope Pastor, Pastor, me and Pastor Ronnie, before he got married, came to me, and we shared this story before, but this is a great story. He comes to me and says, Pastor, I know that you're OCD about organization. He says, I need help. Before I marry Raina, I need you to help the brother out. I said, okay, Pastor Ronnie, what do you need help with? He says, I got X amount of debt, and I really need you to help me organize it, get it in order, so that we can help me get it down, so when I get married, I don't have to bring this baggage. I said, first of all, Pastor Ronnie, you're a great man to admit it and to confess it and want help. That's awesome. He says, that's just not my gift. I want to improve in it. So we sat down. We did a budget. And did you know, this is God's honest truth. Is this right, Raina? In one year, Ronnie paid off thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. And when he married Raina, did you have any debt? A cart, right? A car loan? Is it maybe a car loan and one small debt that he owed? He paid off thousands and thousands. You know why? Because God didn't supernaturally come down and pay off his finances. He got his life in order. He got it in order. And by making wise decisions, he was able to pay it off. 
Isn't it ironic we want to come to the front and pray for miracles, and yet we don't even have our life in order? Boy, this is some hard preaching. Is this all right? So he, he placed the wood in order. Because worship is order. He bound Isaac, his son, laid him upon the altar, upon the wood. Verse number 30, the Bible says, verse number 10, and Abraham stretched out his hand, took up the knife to slay his son. Because my next point, worship is activity. He is getting ready. He got it, and it's activity. Worship is doing something. He didn't sit around waiting for God to come by and to see if God was going to do something. Abraham said, this is what God told me. I'm not going to sit around. I am going to get busy and do what He told me to do. So he became active. Because worship is not only preparation. Worship is not only order. Worship is activity. Worship is activity. Worship is doing something. So he gets out the knife to slay his son. And as he is getting ready to slay his son, this is what I want to close with. Now y'all, I get really excited here. Because this is what you find in the Word of God. That the Bible says in verse 11, the angel of God called to him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Stop right there. Leave that scripture up there. You see what happens? Listen to me. When worship is about sacrifice, worship is about believing God, worship is about preparing, worship is about putting things in order, worship is about activity. In other words, when you do what you can, God will do what he can. When you do what you can, God will do what He can. Abraham did the natural, but God connected the super to the natural, and thus you get supernatural. So God said, here I am. God showed up because Abraham realized that worship involves me. I've got to do something. I've got to prepare. I've got to place things in order. I've got to trust you. Even when I don't understand, I've got to trust you. The Bible says in verse number 12, that the Bible says that He said, do not lay a hand on your lad. Don't lay a hand on your son or do anything to him for I know that you fear me. You know what God is saying? I know you love me more than you love those pagan gods. I know that you fear me now. And since you have not withhold your only son, withheld your only son, your only son, if you would have done it to the gods of Ur, I now know that you love me greater. Your only son. Verse number 13, the Bible says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering to the Lord. So guess what happened? Worship is, worship ends in supply. 
Because God supplied at the end of the story. When you begin to worship God, He will do the supplying. When you worship God, He will supply. When you worship God, He will provide. When you worship God, He brings abundance. When you put God first and sacrifice and you lay down what's most precious to you as sacrifice, God provides. Now I want to close with this. Just think about it. Can, I, can you think about this? Everybody look at pastor. Think about this. Abraham is being obedient and trusting to God even though he don't know what mountain to go to, he's walking up the mountain. He's walking with his son. He's walking with the two other men. He has the fire. He has the wood. He's carrying the fire. He's carrying the wood. Isaac's with him. The two men's with him. He's walking up the mountain. He doesn't know what mountain to go to, but he's going to go because God's going to show him. As he's walking, get this. God was providing. How do I know? How did the thicket get to the top of the mountain? It could be the thicket was also walking up the mountain. He was walking on the other side of the mountain as Abraham was walking on the other side of the mountain. As Abraham walked, God was providing. As Abraham walked, God was providing. As Abraham was obedient, God was providing. Let me tell you something. When you take a first step, God takes another step. When you take another step, God takes another step. God is in the act of providing. Woo! Hallelujah! So that is why, Sister Stella, can I tell you something? Even though you may feel discouraged today and you're like, I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like doing this. I, I should have stayed home. This is the darkest place in my life. As you are obedient in worship, God is providing. Even though he couldn't see the ram, he didn't know that there was a ram there until he got to the top of the mountain. And you don't know what God is doing in the midst of your worship. You don't know what he is doing. You don't know what he's doing. There's a ram climbing up the mountain and you don't even see it. There's a ram coming. God's providing. Because God knew he wasn't going to have Abraham to sacrifice his son. God just wanted to see what Abraham would have done. And since Abraham didn't understand everything, Abraham said, I, I'm not called to figure everything out. I'm called to trust you. And as, let me tell you, some of you have racked your minds trying to figure things out. You're not called to figure it out. You're called to trust him. Trust him. Because if you could figure it out, you would be God and you, you don't have no capability of trying to figure it out. The Christian life is not about figuring things out. The Christian life is about something you walk through so the Christian life could shape you and form you and mold you to be like Jesus. Christian life is not, it's not, about, it's not about money and prosperity and houses and cars and all that's good and fine, but the Christian life is about you being shaped and formed and molded into the image of Christ 
It's not about you trying to figure things out. It's not a trying you trying to connect the dots. It's a journey where he causes those resources to shape you and mold you and make you. And as Abraham was climbing the mountain, there was a ram climbing up the backside of the mountain as well. Because I'm going to tell you, that's how God provides. You don't know what happened this morning in the spirit world when you come to church and you worship God from a pure heart. You don't know what God was doing. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, as the moment you lifted your hands and you begin to worship, he was convicting your, he was convicted your family members. He was moving in your finances. He was healing people's bodies. I'm telling you, when you walked in an attitude of faith, God was walking up the other side of the mountain. Somebody help this Pentecostal preacher preach a little bit. Woo! Can I tell you something else? And I'm going to shut up and let you go home. Then, Mark 16, no, Mark 15, verse 33. Look at this. Preachers get three closings. This is my last closing. Verse 33, Mark 15, 33. Isn't it ironic that Jesus understood what worship was? Get this scripture. It was the sixth hour had come. Darkness was up on the whole land to the ninth hour. Okay, three hours of darkness. Verse 34, the scripture states, and at the ninth hour, Jesus begins to cry, Eli, Eli, Lemon, Sabathana, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Stop. It dawned on me. Brother Doug, when I got this revelation, I did a little shout up in my living room at 3 o'clock in the morning. Because I can do that because I live by myself. So I got up and shouted a little bit <laughs> because I finally got the revelation. You know, you can hear the word and then when you really get it, you get it. You know, Jesus is hanging on the cross and he cries out, Eli, Eli, Lamani, Sabathani. Anybody that was there at the foot of the cross would have understood that Jesus was quoting a song. S-O-N-G, a song. The book of Psalms is a song book. It's what they used in the temple. Anybody standing there would have understood that Jesus is quoting a song. He's dying on the cross and Jesus is quoting a song. Eli, Eli, Lamanai, Sabathani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Those at the foot of the cross would have understood, this sounds weird. He is quoting a song. Now, you know what's interesting about this? He's quoting a song, the Bible says in verse 33, at the sixth hour had come, there was darkness in the whole land. That means at 9 o'clock in the morning or 12 o'clock, darkness had covered the earth. Now this wasn't just a few clouds. It got completely dark. It was pitch black. And Jesus is singing a song. What are you saying? Jesus, hallelujah, when he's dying on the cross... He wanted all of you to let you know that if you really loved God, 
There should be something inside of you that even at the darkest hour of your life, you can still sing. At the darkest hour of your life, you have the ability to stretch out and say, my God, my God. And in the modern church, you know what we do? We don't come to church. I'm having a hard time. I'm depressed. Worship has nothing to do with how you feel. Worship has nothing to do with what went on in your life. That may be, it may be valid. It may hurt. It's reality. It's real. But the story of Abraham teaches us that when you're obedient, God brings a ram upside on the other side of the mountain. God's doing things that you cannot see. <laughs>